0: Welcome back. It is Monday, November 27th, 2023, and you're listening to episode 176 of the Midnight Film Society podcast. Your host, Damian Sherman, joining me today is
1: Derek McDuff.
0: On today's show, just before Thanksgiving break, Derek and I will dig into some possible award contenders David Fincher's The Killer, Alligander's Pain, The Holdovers, and Francis Lawrence's The Hundred Games Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. <sighs> but before that, we'll go over what we've been watching, go over some movie and TV news, discuss our respective letterbox assignments. right to the show at Midnight Film Society at gmail.com, bicycle on Twitter, subscribe on Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, Spotify, rate, and review it on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend, family member, or stranger, what's a man? How you doing?
1: Good. Good. I'm tired. You know, we're recording yes. this right before Thanksgiving. I just got off work and then I forgot my laptop and I had to go back to work. Yep. So, you know, it's it's been an ordeal, but I'm good. I'm ready for actual think. You know, this is yeah. not gonna make sense to people listening, but it was tomorrow for to me in in the past here yes. it's uh, Thanksgivings tomorrow and I'm excited for that
0: yes I always wonder about like if you forget something at work and you spend like a lot of time going back to get it what what uh, calamity what crisis did you avert or what what thing <laughs> was gonna happen <laughs> on the way home the first time or something you triggered something some event some uh what do they call that in the uh, the Loki show there was an event there was oh, a yeah whatever event happened where Loki traveled off off the beaten path, off the sacred timeline. The
1: What's variance or whatever?
0: A variant event or something. Yeah, a variance. A variance occurred Con- like yeah. something
1: event, convergence. I don't remember what it was.
0: Something called. like yeah. that, yeah. I always, I always I always wonder if you you yeah. somebody implanted something in your brain to make you forget the laptop to make you go back yeah. for whatever reason, you know?
1: Yep. Right, right.
0: Yeah. So let's uh, let's get into some uh, movie and TV news real quick. Uh, some crazy stuffs happening with uh, Scream Seven. Uh, Scream Seven was set to release. I don't know, probably twenty twenty five at the at the earliest because um, what is her name? Uh, the actress is in oh, all Selena, not Selena Gomez, <laughs> the other one that looks like Selena Gomez. Uh, what's the young lady's name? That's in. Um
1: oh, uh, you talk about Wednesday Adams. Um. Yes,
0: sir. Yes, sir. Uh, your your a- goth, your goth lady
1: my my yes my my future wife um, uh,
0: <laughs> What? Is, why can't we think of her name
1: Not oh man it's uh uh sorry my cat just got me under the door uh, oh, shit. <laughs> let's see i'm, like, I'm so quit. tired she, I'm she a- quit
0: she quit the show um she said she's not gonna be part jenna jenna ortega um
1: ortega, yes. was
0: going to she's part of scream six i want to say not five but six where's she was she in five John I've five. only
1: seen 1 and 2 so I have no idea. Okay
0: so she was going to be part of the se- the seventh one to mm-hmm. you know figure out the rest of that story and her character storyline um, mm-hmm. in the variety article uh, dated October 21st article uh, written by Titania Siegel um, with titled a fired Scream star clients booted from agencies and a secret time cruise meeting inside Hollywood's divide over Israel. So something we haven't really talked about since it started October 7th, uh, major, major conflict, major, um, you call that flare up in the uh west bank um conflict that's been going on for you know 70 years or now whatever it's been um well, so, so or
1: depending on how you look at it you know since the beginning of recorded history well i mean <laughs>
0: the state of israel has technically only been there since 1948 right, so that's yeah, yeah. where i'm that's what beginning. i'm saying
1: depending on how you look at it
0: sure yeah i'm, I'm talking about this specific uh conflict yeah. where yeah stuff stuff is happening um so the actress uh, by the name of – that was supposed to be in um, Scream 7. Let's see. Um, four days after the Hamas attack, WME invited Steve later the rabbi from Wilshire Boulevard, to visit the university's Beverly Hills headquarters. He came to provide comfort, blah, 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 blah. Um, let's see. Okay. So Maha. Dakhil, one of his top agents, had ignited a firestorm with her Instagram post, including one that said, quote, what's more heartbreaking than witnessing genocide? Witnessing the the denial that genocide is happening. She later apologized, in quotes, in parentheses here. Uh, In response, Dakhil was relieved of her duties as co-chief of the Motion uh, motion Pictures Department, though she was allowed to remain an agent. It didn't hurt that her most important client, Tom Cruise, made it known to CAA that he was backing her. Okay, so this is not... Sorry, this is not the woman, the, the actress that was in Scream. Okay. okay, so I'm going to scroll down. Some have had enough. Spyglass quietly dropped Melissa Barrera as the star of the next stream film. Sources say, do or social media post that referred to Israel as, as a quote-unquote colonized land, which they have to put into quotes, even though that is what it is, um, and floated an anti-Semitic trope that Jews control the media, writing Western media only shows the Israeli side. Why do they do that? I will let you deduce for yourself. Ber- uh, Barrera did not respond to a request for comment um skyglass initially declined to comment though a spokesperson offered a statement to variety later in the afternoon to, to to clarify that the actor was fired because her posts were seen as anti-semitic so yeah of course because you can't nobody has um the media literacy anymore nobody has the ability to parse this language anymore nobody has the ability to choose to say to to know the difference between uh you know, criticizing government and criticizing a people, which is two different, two very different things, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's, it's, yeah, no, uh, yeah, go ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know how deep I want to get into all that. Yeah. That is, that's, that's a lie, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but it is, you know, uh, uh it's notable because it's a major franchise that's mm-hmm. gonna probably gonna be, have major rewrites. Now that that star, um, left, and also, um, person I just mentioned, uh, um, Jenna Ortega.
1: So that, that wasn't. So that was Jenny Ortega. That wasn't Jenny Ortega, though.
0: No, this person's name was. Let me pull up again. Uh, Melissa Barrera made that. Okay. Made that Instagram post, and then <clears throat> I think it had uh, some to do with Jenna Jen Ortega also filming um, Wednesday season two. She's filming that right now. <clears throat> so if I had to mm. guess, she already had a scheduling conflicts with also with that and trying to film streams of it at the same time so she probably wasn't going to film it now anyways but just because of this um mm. it to be clear it's not substantiated it's not confirmed by her that she is leaving because of this but it's kind of hard not to see the connection you know
1: yeah no that yeah that's fair <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah so I guess we'll just leave leave that there then <laughs> So I just thought yeah. it was interesting just based on you know the um you know, all the all the, all of that stuff, where it's it's just very hard to parse. You can't you can't really yeah, say yeah. you can't be really against the Israeli government. You can't be uh, anti-Zionist without uh, sounding and appearing and being accused of being uh, anti-Semitic at the same time, which are two right. And you very, can't, you
1: know, yeah, yeah. People people will say you know that are free Palestine support Palestine. and People are like, oh, so you support support Hamas? And you're like, nope, not no. not even a little. No. That's not nope
0: no. There's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> it's very complicated. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm going to backtrack. Pack I'm say it's, it's a very simple, uh, thing that's going on. But again, just don't want, don't want to get into it. But I think that people that will say it's complicated are, it's, it's kind of not. It's kind of not. But that's, <laughs> yeah, that's for another day. Um, so we'll move on to Andrew Kevin Walker. I want to talk about, about podcasts for a little bit because uh, we don't have a, d- a deep dive or any dive of any kind this week on, 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 a, on any movie. So I want to talk about podcasting for a little bit. Uh, some podcasts we listen to. Um, Shoot Apart, hosted by Al Horner, is one of my favorite uh, podcasts I listen to because he deep dives on one specific um, aspect of movie making, the uh, writing the scripts. And he sits down with uh, very famous screenwriters. And this week he sat down with Andrew Kevin Walker, Uh, for about an hour and a half. Um, People that know him know that he's uh, a very frequent collaborator with David Fincher. Obviously, he helped write um, the newest uh, The Killer, which we'll talk about later. Um, Very, very interesting um, exchange just talking about uh, the origins of it. Um, I think him and David Fincher talked – one of the uh, anecdotes he he talked about was that him and David Fincher – when they first started talking about the killer in 2008, when the project was first brought up, um, him and Fincher – David Fincher said to uh, Andrew Kevin and Walker, the whole outline then. And in 20 – I think he said 2019, 2020, they brought it up again because he had free time uh, or he was done with Mank and they sat down again. And uh, Andrew said it was exactly beat for beat, the same um, outline that he did in 2008 and he didn't have any notes, it was just off the t- off the cuff and so I thought that was very interesting there huh. um, yeah, just a very very interesting guy to talk to and just talk about the script, script writing and talking about um, you know, the little we'll talk about the um, we'll go into deeper discussion about all of the different, uh, we call it Easter eggs, about like, all the you know, <laughs> TV characters that are dropped in there, I guess that was Kevin's uh, Andrew Kevin Walker's um, idea to put that mm. stuff in there. I'm um, t- just talking about hammering out the thing, hammer, hammering, hammering out the script um, and just it, it's really just going back and forth all the time and thinking about the movie itself if you watch it, you know, it's, it's not really any spoilers to say, but the movie is very, very interesting from a screenwriting standpoint in the, in the fact that, um, the killer himself, um, Michael Fassbender has like 12 lines in the, in the entire movie and mm-hmm. they were trying to cut it down to 10 that they, they, you know, got it That's down to 10 That's not counting
1: voiceover, I'm assuming, right?
0: Right. Yes. The only spoken, the only, uh, what okay. do you call it? What, what would that be considered? Diegetic, um, yeah. diegetic dialogue in the film. The only, there's like. 10 of those 10 of those things is spoken right. by the protagonist in this movie. Um, and they were talking about how there was going to be a scene or there was in a couple of the scenes where the um, uh, what do you call it? the person that brings you the food to the hotel room? That guy comes in, leaves the food. The guy, uh, the kill- the killer was initially going to say, like, hey, thanks. Thanks for holding the door, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, that's another line. You just cut that out. That's not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was very cool. So, do you listen to any, any shows like that? Because there's, there's a few of them that get into like, there's one that I just found on YouTube that gets into editing because they do, do a lot of editing for YouTube videos and for music videos that they sat down with the editor for The Killer, um, talked to him. It was very cool. Do you listen to any podcasts that, that get into the specifics of filmmaking?
1: I listen to Beyond the Screenplay, which, you know, that is a a screenplay based podcast obviously from the name but it is still they do will cover different movies you know like they'll they this week they just covered the killer um uh, but they so it's more from like a film review standpoint but looking at it specifically about screenwriting that would probably be the only one that is kind of like that um i guess you know you could maybe consider blank check to be about directing uh, because they do focus on directors' filmographies. But yeah. that's about it, I guess.
0: Yeah, that that one too. Um, Let's see. Yeah, oh, do you listen to interview shows? I listen to a lot of those. Um, Kevin McCarthy, I think their podcast is called Screen. Oh, let me find it real quick. So it's a very good one. You should definitely check it out. Uh, let me pull up my... Podcast stuff, um, screen draft, not screen drafts. <laughs> That's another show.
1: I do listen to screen drafts. <laughs>
0: yes, yes, yes. Uh, let's see. Film podcast folder. The show is called, not script apart. Where is it? Let me see. Screen in the S's. Oh, sorry. It's called Real Blend, R E L. Blend. It's got, um, it's got Kevin McCarthy, Jake Hamilton they sit down they just sat down with Ridley Scott that, that was a <laughs> great interview because mm. Ridley Scott just, just doesn't give a shit they 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 told him that um they were talking to Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon and Scorsese mentioned Ridley and how you know he's one of his uh, Ridley is one of Scorsese's favorite directors and he loved the first cut he saw of um of Napoleon and they asked him mm-hmm. you know what do you think about that and he's like it brings a tear to my eye and they're like really and he's like no. <laughs> very, very good interview. That's really good. That's very yeah. Good. Uh, so he's very good on that show. Does a lot of great um, interviews. Kevin McCarthy does. He talked to Hannah Winningham from Ted Lasso just, re- just recently because he asked her a really good question. He asked the best questions. If you ever want to see the best interviewer. And if you want to see somebody that asks questions that aren't just surface level, that aren't the same old questions, mm-hmm. look at this guy. Look at what he does. This is how everyone should everyone should conduct interviews. He asked her about singing on Ted Lasso in character versus singing in real life because she is a trained mm-hmm. singer and she has a new Christmas special coming out where she does a bunch of you know Christmas classics. And he talked, and he asked her that question of like, what's the difference? And did you think about it? and Did you uh, uh, engage in that? And did you? Uh, what are the mechanics of of singing as uh, as Rebecca uh, and Ted Lasso versus singing as Hannah? And she's like, that is one of the best questions ever been asked. <laughs> the fantastic question. <laughs> she loved to dive into that stuff. And he also asked another question right after that. That was equally good. And she was like, yeah, great, great question. So, definitely check him out. Check off, check out uh, Perry. Perry Nemiroff, Nemiroff, um, she's a senior producer at Collider. Also asks very, very good questions, and also obviously Josh Hurwitz at Happy Sad, Happy, Happy Sad Confused. Obviously, he's a great interviewer. He did a recent uh, interview with uh, Tom Hiddleston uh, after the Loki finale. Has some great questions there as well.
1: Very nice. Uh, yes. I will have to add those to the at least yes. some of that to the podcast rotation.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, do you have the uh, the um, Thing pulled up the notes that pulled up from the, fighting in the war room. I just added to the to the outline there.
1: Uh, I can certainly click on it and yes. bring it up here. Nope, I, I can't. I need access. You did not give me
0: access. <laughs> okay, because I need to rest wait, my wait. Voice wait, wait, hold on. I might
1: have to be. I might be logged in. No, I'm logged in as me, not my podcast.
0: Yep, uh, just oh, gave okay. you permission right there. Okay. Rest my voice for a second and okay. ask you to read yes. out, read out the. Uh, I ro- I wrote into fighting the war room. They do uh, they read all the reviews on iTunes as some people do, and this is my Derek will now read my review of fighting the war room.
1: All right, <clears throat> to whom it may concern, <sighs> F I T W R is the white whale of podcasts I've been obsessively seeking out since my first episode of Spilm, film spotting back in the helionic wow that's a tough word uh heady days of the early Obama administration yeah. uh, hearing the Ed rate right, Katie rich on right? yep. little Goldman <laughs> uh, uh, yeah yeah that's good that's good we're all good uh yeah. the curmudgeon with a heart of gold uh David Ulrich, uh on places like film comment the always Peppy and bubbly Dave Gonzalez on screen drafts <laughs> and trial by content and Matt patches from the internet. I thought, what if we could bring together this group of remarkable individuals to see if they could become something more, <laughs> see if they could work together when we need them to review the movies we could not. It's called Fighting in the War Room Initiative. The only crack in the otherwise flawless Vibranium Shield is the podcast is is that David Elric has made the baffling decision not only to record in Werner Herzog's Cave of Forgotten Dreams, but also his lip-smacking... <laughs> addictive compulsion to pop Ricolo loggenges mid-recording makes the listener's skin crawl otherwise no notes keep up the great work damien s pitfield my host of the midnight film society (laughs) podcast Ah, yeah great great stuff great stuff
0: yeah thank you sir uh we'll workshop that later on yeah 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 we'll let it down We'll, we'll yeah we'll let it over the uh flubs there but yeah overall yeah good 9.5 <laughs> out of 10 all right good stuff
1: okay cool. <laughs> okay
0: so with that let's get i was to- reading it
1: cold all right i you just want it- people to know i was reading that cold you know yes, i came of into this audition not having <laughs> even realized i was going to be reading something so. yes
0: yes 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 the word is halcyonics just so you know for future reference okay Yes, yes. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, I
1: missed I that per- day. I missed that day of, uh, of uh, English, English. English class. An English major.
0: Yes, 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 yes. So with that, let's get to- did you bust to- out
1: your thesaurus, thesaurus for that one?
0: Th- thesaurus, yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've been watching uh, Murder at the End of the World is a uh, TV show uh, on Hulu. I think I mentioned this to you if you wanted to check it out. Um, the stars- this is a TV show created by Britt Marling and Batman Batmanjali, Bat something like that. They did the OA. I don't know if you're a fan of the OA, Derek. You, f- you seem like never, an OA person. Never saw it. Never saw it. Okay. Uh, I didn't either, but I know of the scene that everyone references where they do the dance in the, uh, the cafeteria when the school shooter is there, which is a uh, I always seen that out of context. I always wonder what the hell is going on there. <laughs> uh, the show stars Emma Corrin, who was on The uh, the Crown, playing Princess Diana, early, early Princess Diana. Uh, Britt Marling is in this, uh, and Harris Dickinson is also in this. Um Clive, Clive Owen. Clive Owen is in this as well. And there was one other person I, I texted you. I was like, oh, it's that person. Uh, what's her name? Joan Chen from uh, the um, – uh, what's the show called? We were just talking about the guy. Um Twin Peaks. She was in Twin Peaks. She played. Oh. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. She's
1: great. She's great.
0: She, she is great. Um, so this um, started a few started a few weeks ago. Um, I was about to watch the third episode today. Uh, it's it's basically just like an overview, brief overview. It's like uh, what if um, the girl with the dragon tattoo meets like Glass Onion? It's that. It's basically mm-hmm. that. Just okay. a cool hacker lady goes and meets a tech billionaire in his tech billionaire compound out in like Siberia or wherever. It's <laughs> somewhere very very cold. Right. So yeah, de- very very stylistic, very cool. Uh, great script, great acting. Um, there's in the first episode. There's a part in it where you're just watching these two, um, her and her boyfriend, just um, sing along to. oh, shit! I should have pulled up here, but I don't. Um, let's see. Is in, is in the synopsis now. There's a song that they play, and I've never really listened to the lyrics before. Never really liked the song very much before, but um, actually got under my skin. Um, after I watched it so very good show murder at the end of the world I believe there's two or three episodes out right now also checked out the curse um this is well, can uh, I say real fast this is yeah, one I, I really yeah. want to binge
1: yeah uh, okay. looks really good I'm I'm a real big fan of Emma Korn. Uh, yeah you know they were they were great in um uh a movie that I thought was just fine but uh the, what was the Harry Styles uh movie uh my policeman um oh, oh yeah uh, and yeah, yeah. Then, uh, yeah yeah so big fan of them since that. Uh, also, I've always been a really big fan of Clive Owen, and it's two yeah. of them in a cool mystery techie sci-fi or not sci-fi, but like kind of, you know, just show that you said like has Dragon Girl tattoo vibes. So, yeah, I mean, check it out. There's also there's just so many shows that I've been <laughs> watching that yeah. uh, including a bunch of Apple stuff. So I haven't got to this one yet.
0: Dude, there is so many shows I want to get into. Uh, what's yeah. that Samurai show? Samurai Blue Eyes White Dragon show, whatever it's called. Yu-Gi-Oh? <laughs> yes, though. It's called, um, they're talking about this on uh, on Ringerverse. Um, samurai, I think it's on Netflix. Samurai Netflix Is it Shogun? Show. Nope, it's brand, brand new. It's like six, seven episodes, I want to say. Uh, Blue Eye Samurai, that's what it's called. I had the blue eye part, right? Um, I heard that's okay. a very, very good. Um, there's another one on, yeah, like you said, it was, oh, um,
1: FX is going to make a t- uh, samurai show called Shogun. I think it's a remake of the old one, but
0: gotcha. Gotcha. There's the blue eye samurai. There's a the Scott Pilgrim show. I want to check out cause I heard that's a very, very good. Um, and then of course still got to finish up, uh, uh, lessons in chemistry. I, I, I probably won't right. go back to that, but yeah, yeah. like you said, there's yeah. just they, so I, many things.
1: Yeah. I have been. Re- <laughs> they just, Brought back um, for all mankind, which oh yeah, that's you your... haven't seen that yet, have no. you? No, nope. No, that's <laughs> yeah, season four. Season four really good, and then yeah. uh, uh Monarch Legacy of Monsters also just started up, which is pretty fucking rad. It's is it rad like, though? Is it rad? It, it's really good. I watched. <laughs> I only watched one episode, but I really did. You watch it? No. Well, then what are you talking about? I just heard. Uh, it, it's good. I've heard things. I've heard things. Oh uh, well, you hear them for me that I I enjoyed okay. the first episode right. a lot, you know, and I all think right. that they're like. Well, we're going to have somebody because it's set between, you know, 2014 like a, or 2015, a year after the first Godzilla movie. Yeah. Uh, and the world dealing with the fall of that. And then like Monarch in the 50s researching it. And you've got the John Goodman character played by one of the guys from Workaholics. And then oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're like, they're like, OK, well, we're going to also have, you know, somebody who's going to be a character in both of these timelines. Uh, who we get, well, you know, in the past, will be played by Wyatt Russell. Yeah. Well, who do we get to play him in the, the in the present? Who well, do you like, think? Kurt Russell, like, yeah. like of course, like the guy who looks exactly like he looks exactly like his dad. You know, so it's perfect.
0: Kurt Russell's first TV show since like 1974. Oh or wow! Or whatever, whatever show he was in back in the Disney days. Yeah. You know.
1: I mean, it's definitely. I would say it get it's the it finally kind of solves the monster verse problem of not giving a shit about the humans. Um, Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. Uh, Let me see. I just want to see. Do you want me to uh, talk about the stuff I watched based on – do you want me to start with the the best stuff I liked? The stuff I liked the most. (laughs) Let's go with that. Stuff I like the most or the stuff I liked the least? Well, let's, yeah,
1: let's let's build up to the best.
0: Build up to the best. Okay. Yeah. Um, I saw one more thing. I forgot to add to the L line. Um, let's see. So I'll start with build up. Okay. So Extraction 1 and 2, they're very good. They're very well-made, well-constructed, well-shot action movies. If you're into that, if you want that, if that's all you're there for – go with god <laughs> i think this is i think um there was multiple moments especially in the, in the second part where i was like that you're not even trying to remain in the realm of reasonable uh realism real- <laughs> realism you're just like especially i'm thinking back to the part where it's it's the end of the long shot where he's on the train and the and the the um helicopters right in front of him with the gatling gun ready to fire i think you saw like 12 or 13 bullets just whiz by his head. He shoots down the helicopter. It falls. The blades are spinning probably 25 feet away from him. It just crashes, just goes right by him. He stands up. He's all good. So there was one point right before that where he gets shot with, a, with a, a a rocket launcher, just blows up maybe three feet from his face. He's fine. He's fine. But I'm, I'm, good, with I'm he, good with that. I'm good yeah, with that. I'm good with that. Have you I'm seen not mad. the John
1: Wick movies? I'm not like- mad
0: i'm not mad i'm just i'm just stating a fact just saying the fact that is some uh it's
1: not a documentary
0: <laughs> again i need to emphasize i had a lot of fun i just at a certain point i needed to, i had to physically shut off my brain I just like okay this is yeah. that was ridiculous um all <laughs> of that stuff that he survived um so they were very good had a lot of fun uh also checked out tetris um again a very fun movie and moved along at a pretty good clip i think um the man that was in this who got, who goes by the name of um Taren, Taren egerton one of his best roles i've seen him in um is his name Rogers something rogers right his character's mean, name like the character hank, in the hank film? rogers is it hank
1: rogers yeah, yeah Wow, it's hank Henk. it's like hank <laughs> yes.
0: very very interesting that he's uh cuz
1: it's dutch it's dutch
0: yeah he was like half dutch half half filipino yeah. right you said
1: half dutch half filipino
0: yeah um it's interesting that like his last name is Rogers because I feel like he has that um, unkillable, undentable uh, positivity about him throughout this throughout this movie, which was very, very, very fun to see. Um, yeah, I had a, had a fun time with it. I think um, the stuff you said was correct about you know it's not about uh, capitalism versus communism, communism. It's more just like you know, corruptness. Like who's who's right. who's the more corrupt. Um, actors here who's the who who are the actors that are acting in bad faith or worse faith or whatever you want to say um and it's who's going to screw over who faster and more efficiently <laughs> right yeah. who can who can spot the um who can spot the um wording in the contract that's going to make it so that they they come out on top you know that that sort of thing right. I, love the, I love the parts where he the the one russian guy is like walking in between each room so he's like hold on what did Okay, you stay here. I'll be back. And he's running (laughs) running between Uh, trying to to get the best deal for himself. Um, Yeah, yeah, very good movie. Very, very good. One of the best. uh, Probably not like top 10, but maybe like it'll probably be my top 20 of of this year. Very good. Good stuff. Um, So that was my third best. Uh, Let's see what else. Oh, I'll go with fourth best was... um, Magic Mike's Last Dance. Just checked out that uh, just before we hopped in the mics here. This is the obviously the third Magic Mike in the Magic Mike Assance, the Magic Mike uh, trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, it is crazy. Just the uh, the the what do you call them? The, the figures, the, the bodily figures They're the, the fitness oh, yeah. levels, the fitness levels of men in their forties is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it's, <gotta laughs> stop. it's, it's just, yeah, this guy is just a piece of work. Like, like she said, he, he was like, he was about to eat something on the plane over to, um, over to England. He's like, pushing off this piece of piece of a uh, cucumber on this thing. And she's like, "What? you don't eat that stuff. He's like, I don't eat vegetables. She's like, how do you look like a golden God and not <laughs> eat vegetables? How is that possible? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think I missed the, uh, the crew. I know they did FaceTimes. I know they probably had, <clears throat> they probably had, you know, COVID restrictions. So people couldn't travel, um, during the making of this. So I definitely felt that them missing. I felt that hole in this movie, there was a, um, there was uh, I'm trying to figure the guy's name. He Who was felt a wrestler. The hole
1: in Magic Mike's Last Dance.
0: <laughs> the um, the um, he was he was Diesel for a while in wrestling. He was Kevin Nash. Kevin there was a Kevin oh, Nash yeah, yeah. Kevin Nash shaped hole in this movie that I very much missed out on. Uh, but other than that, very good. Like the like the it was very self contained. It was just like you know we're gonna hmm. very few um, set pieces. Very few um, places that they went to it was very much just them in this like um, like a Moulin Rouge type. Um, Place that they yeah. did this performance in. Um, I saw a similar performance. It was a very, very you know, captivating last performance in this movie. And that's what it, that's what I come to these for, and I think a lot of people probably come to these for those moments. Um, there was a episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia that came out in 2018, which did a very similar things, which. So I, you know, watched this after this, after that, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I was a little, my, my reaction was a little uh, more muted than it would have been otherwise had I not seen something similar. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the one I'm talking about. It had I Mac- have. It's it's a yeah.
1: really really good episode.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, very good movie overall, though. Uh, very good chemistry between uh, Mister Mister Tatum and um, the leading lady in that film. <laughs> I forget her name.
1: Uh, Selma Hayek. Selma S- 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 uh, Hayek, yeah.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Very good. Um, and then that was four of them, right? Extraction 1, 2. Oh, Extraction 1 wasn't on your list, but Extraction 2, Tetris. Um, and the next one I'll be talking about is Nemona, my favorite one that you recommended uh, from this year. It is a directed by Nick Bruno and Troy Quayne. Um, stars uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, Riz Ahmed. Um, one of my favorite people, but one of my new favorite. Like, who's the guy I was trying to think of that had a voice like this? Like, like did this role for for a long time, and he sounded like him. I'm talking about Beck Bennett. The um, he played Todd in in the uh, in Nemona. Um He he was doing like he was doing like his version of this. Like, oh, he was doing his version of um. What's the guy that does Batman? He does the Batman voice and all of the the uh, Lego Batman Evan movies.
1: Evan Conley or?
0: No, 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 no. The uh, scary, he has like a deep voice and he had a deep, deep voice off in 30 Rock with Alec Baldwin. Um,
1: oh, Will Arnett. Will Arnett. Yes. I
0: feel like he was trying to do his yeah, Will Arnett yeah. impression with that guy. Um, very, very. It was probably one of my favorite uh, parts of this movie. Yeah. I love this movie very, very much. Love the um, art style. I love the humor. I loved uh, a bunch of this. I do feel like Riz Ahmed was like just – why? Why Riz Ahmed? <laughs> he felt a little flat. I do feel like, you know, just he has one of these like gruff voices that doesn't really translate well to, you know, uh, animation kit doesn't really have the, uh, you know, emotional inflections. He doesn't really get those over, but you know, uh, other than that, very, very good. I loved, loved the last sort of action set piece. I, I feel like a little bit, I feel like they might have saved, some of the budget for that. I do feel like a lot of the mm-hmm. environments, um, the first two thirds of it were a little flat and a little like there was nothing on the walls. It was just kind of a flat background a lot of the time. So I definitely felt like I, I watched the, uh, the the last third, the set piece in the last third started off into that big monster with the, you know, it's glowing, it's like glowing on the inside, but it's got that like cool, like, I don't know how to describe it but it was it was obviously they put a lot of money and time into that one uh one set piece um but yeah I loved I love I think you mentioned when you were talking about it at first that it had like a subtle uh uh you know queer overtones I don't think that was subtle at all. I mean, they kiss. Huh? <laughs> they full-on kiss at the end. They're holding hands. They're like, I love you and stuff like that. So I feel like this is um going to look back on this and be like, this is one of the first mainstream animated movies from a major studio where they just full-on said, he's fucking gay. They're gay. Fucking, yeah. fucking deal with it. Uh, uh, uh homophobes you know <laughs> so yeah. well, uh, even even like yeah. i
1: think namona herself has has very queer overtones you know
0: yes 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 um this was uh based on a very interesting thing that based on uh let's see so um, graphic novel graphic it was i think it was printed as a graphic novel after it got a following right. on tumblr so yeah, let's it's see very, yeah it's i based on on card- that Based on a graphic novel by American cartoonist Andy Stevenson, uh, Stevenson began working on Nomona while attending uh, College uh, Maryland Institute College of Art. He published Nomona as a web comic from 2012 through 2014, initially on Tumblr. <laughs> Definitely has right. uh, has Tumblr vibes to it. Right. Um, he yeah. dealt, dealt yeah. the story and art style through there. Um, he used it as his thesis, his senior thesis, um, and an agent reached out to him from Harper Collins, and it was printed in 2015. So, yep, definitely, <laughs> You're like, yes, that's very Tumblr-ish, Tumblr era mm-hmm. stuff. So, yeah, very, very yeah. much enjoyed that. That, that actually might make my top ten of the year.
1: So, yeah, the <clears throat> people aren't are, are confused on why Damien just rattled off a ranking right here of of different movies it's because last week we gave each other uh the list of five movies that either of us had not seen of the year so far yes uh and damien um apparently decided (laughs) to watch four of the five of mine and rank them for some Uh reason
0: Yes, what did I miss? I missed the... You missed I, I, Peter Pan
1: and Wendy, I believe, was yes, the one, yes, right? Yes,
0: yes, yes. I think... Yeah, yeah I still got to check that out. Yep, but yes, yeah. I watched for... Finally, though, I've been off for a couple days now. I got the uh, the week off for uh, nice. for Thanksgiving. So, yeah, I just... I binge a whole bunch of shit, dude. This is this, this even... that's <laughs> like the tip of the iceberg <laughs> for stuff I watched this week. Uh, but, yeah, you also yeah. watched some stuff from my list. You checked I, out to Theater Camp. What you think of this?
1: I thought this was pretty good. This was a very, you know... Uh, I wa- I watched this with my brothers last night. Um, yep. at, hanging out at my parents' house, and you know, we, me and one of my brothers had both. We're both theater kids, and we were both like, "Yeah, like I just like I told you, like this is incredibly relatable. It's very cringy at times. I, I know so many people <laughs> like this, just insane, self centered people, and it's funny because my other brother is is very much like the uh kind of central." figure in this the the guy who and he he loved this this guy uh the comedian um jimmy uh jimmy uh trato trato i think is his name uh he's he was just who's this kind of bro guy uh oh, okay. who was you know the he's like who just he's like yeah. oh what is this other world i've come into uh yeah <laughs> this is a pretty fun movie uh i i laughed a lot it was vi- you know very clearly made by people who have lived in this this theater world because everything that happens is is very spot on Uh, i enjoyed it it's a little bit formulaic of like we've got to save the camp i'm like (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah i've seen this movie a lot of times before you know it does the mockumentary thing you know pretty well um you know it's this is yeah this is just a a very tried and true movie that's been done a thousand times before but in a really well done funny way i think
0: yeah, it was like you know, it's the musical version of like Wet Hot American Summer. It's it's that thing.
1: See, I, that's the thing. It's like I I think that making this after Wet Hot American Summer is is almost like because it's it's a comedy. It's it's very funny, but like the plot is still played straight. You know, the plot yep. of like we've got to say in Wet Hot American Summer, it's like oh we've got to like sh- like the sh- shoot this <laughs> rocket up so we can stop this sound. It's like totally ridiculous and just over the top farcical. Uh, in the wet Hot in American summer. And yeah. that's one of my favorite films. So it's, it's kind of like watching any music biopic after you've seen walk hard. Yeah. You're like, these things are so formulaic that when it got perfectly taken down formula, got so incredibly taken down by one movie that it makes anything after a little bit, a little bit, uh, uh, a little bit less, you know, it's like what you said about the magic, my thing it's, there's, it's like, yeah, this was already kind of taken down completely and done. Far, like just torn apart um so yeah you know i still liked it quite a bit uh but i don't think quite as much as you
0: yeah um let's see so you also checked out a movie that i'm uh, interested in seeing because i've heard just all kinds every every type of reaction you could possibly get for this movie huh. uh, f- fingernails uh debuted at the 50th telluride film festival on august 31st uh limited release on october 27th came out on apple tv plus recently what did you think of fingernails
1: I so I had not really heard about this movie until yep. uh I saw like a review pop up my Letterboxd and it was not a good review like like I've only a couple people that I follow on letterbox have seen it and they did not give it particularly warm reviews yep um and but I was like wait a minute there's like a new you know uh like kind of rom com with or not even rom com because it's it's pretty serious at times um but it's with Jesse Buckley who's one of my favorite actress uh, actors working today. Might as well, yep. Uh, along with, then you're like, oh, once again, Riz Ahmed, somebody who I'm a huge, huge fan of, uh, uh you know, and then uh, Jeremy Allen White from The Bear as yeah. in this kind of like, a, you know, love triangle. Yep. And it's one of those movies, it's like, yeah, it, it's, it's like, you know, one of those movies that like her or something like that, that's just kind of like set in, you know, the very near future or, the, or just kind of an alternate present where it's like, yeah, there's this thing that got invented, and it can tell you whether or not you're in love with someone and what that would mean for society and uh, you know, how that would cause certain relationships to play out. And is that going to make you complacent in a relationship? It's like, well, and they're like, yeah, was, you know, divorce has come completely skyrocket or completely fallen off. Like, cause it's like, yeah, we can just, we get this love test and if we're not in love, you know, we break up and if we are in love, cool, we just stay together forever. But then you do get a complacent. What happens if you meet someone else who you really have feelings for? And just that all, and it's, you know, it's very much commenting on like the way, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, well, if you're compatible on this dating app, then you swipe, you know, fingernails, you know, that thing. Uh, it's yeah. like that, like, you know, like then it should all work out and how to, and you know, a lot of that stuff misses the, the human emotion, the spark factor of it. Yeah. Uh, and seeing that play out, seeing how these these three people or the, uh, kind of interact with each other, um, you know, it, it was I, I really, really liked it a lot. It's I mean, it's not past lives, uh, which, you know, kind of has a similar trifecta, yeah. um, but I, I certainly enjoyed it. I think it's one of those movies that takes a very interesting concept and and really mines it for uh, some social commentary.
0: That's cool. Um, he so Nick, the, the director Nikos or uh, Christos Nico, um was a DA, uh, dis, uh, sorry, not DA, <laughs> was an assistant director on uh, Dogtooth. Um, so he, he worked closely with Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, I was
1: gonna for, say this is like Yorgos Lanthimos, like like if you like yeah. Yorgos Lanthimos, but you're like a little bit like man. Sometimes <laughs> it's a little like I don't want to watch John C. Riley put his hand in a toaster or yeah. whatever. Like this is good. This is gonna be perfect for you.
0: Yeah, if you don't want to see like um, the lobster, like that's that's yeah, that's yeah. the
1: yeah, that's where John C. Rowley sticks his hand. In <laughs> oh, the toast. oh, was
0: it oh, was it in there? Okay, I yeah. thought maybe it was. Yeah. Um, thought maybe it he's was
1: about jerking off or something.
0: <laughs> I thought maybe it was the um, uh, what was the um, the other one where it was the family, uh, sacred deer, something of a sacred deer. Oh, killing of a sacred deer, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, it's
0: Barry Kyogen, Barry Kyogen, yep.
1: Uh, let's see
0: what else you checked out. You watched uh, the ballad of Songbirds and Snakies <laughs> then the prequel to the um, prequel to the Hunger Games films. Um, you were you've mm-hmm. you talked about this because we were talking about how I read the or, or I listened to the audiobooks of the Hunger Games this this past summer and I read the books and I watched the movies for the first time, enjoyed most of them um, and you mentioned you're a big fan of the uh, Hunger Games.
1: Yeah very much so did you did you read this book? I did not or read listen the book.
0: To it. I haven't no, no. I haven't listened read with my eyes or my ears. But then, uh, did, did you listen to this book or read the book?
1: I, I read this book cuz this book came out in March 2020. Uh, so that was a that was a whole yeah, whole trip was a whole thing. Uh and so you know it's I remember the book pretty well but I forgot a lot of the finer points. Yeah. To it and so I was very excited to to go back and see a new Hunger Games movie. I'm a humongous fan of both the books and the films. uh, Some of my, one of my favorite film franchises of all time. And I really, really think that this was a, a a book that uh, I think that, you know, they basically Suzanne Collins essentially wrote this book to be a movie because Lionsgate was kind of like, well, what else can we tell in this world? And Suzanne Collins was like, well, I'll, I'll write you guys a, I'll write a book. How about that? And you guys can adapt that. So you don't have to come up with some nonsense. (laughs) and, it's it's really really good it's not like oh we just needed to have a new story or whatever because it feels like thematically so connected to the hunger games trilogy while still being something that completely stands its own but it really enhances that world um the world building all really makes sense uh because this is essentially what i wanted the star wars prequels to be Hmm. you're seeing this this person uh, the riot and it's you know it's for anyone who doesn't know it's about president snow uh being Corle you know anus. he's about to what
0: Corle- Anus, that's his name right
1: oh yes yeah Cor- <laughs> Cor- yeah sure uh, and he is he is about to uh he is going to uh rise or he's he's like he's uh graduating from essentially high school but you see him as he's kind of from this opulent wealthy family and uh you know he's but they're uh, they're very, you know, they've fallen on very hard times and he's still trying to keep up appearances. And it's just the story about um, the corruption of power. And you understand why snow is the way that he is. He's not quite relatable, but you almost at certain points want you do at points in the film root for him. um, But you know that he's going to turn into a fascistic monster who is, but he's always really, really interesting. He's a roller. He's a, he's a terrible, horrible monster, but he's so complex. And this reveals so much of you're like, oh, that's why he's this way. That's why he says this to Katniss. Uh, you know, it, it, it makes it's, the ending is I think that has some very interesting ambiguity to it, uh, <sighs> that I, I quite enjoy. Um, but you, yeah, you just see this, this complete this descent into darkness, um, from this character uh, it, ex- there's some really great world building in it. One of the things I think that does really interesting, it's like, well, you have the hunger games, which is set in the far future. It happens mm. a dystopian society. Uh, and this is, so this is, you know, 70 years before that or 60 years before that. Um, cause it's the te- this is set around the 10th hunger games and Katniss's first games were the 74th. So, well, you know, how does this, some, how is this something that is both in the future, yeah. but taking place, um, in the past of something that we've already seen, right. and the solution with which they come up with in the film, I think, is really elegant. Which is they kind of make it this retro future aesthetic. You know, everything looks like what we thought the future was going to look like in the night. It's what we thought the nineteen eighties were going to look like in the nineteen fifties. It's very like the original Tomorrowland. You know, gotcha. The Incredibles. Uh, that kind of vibe. Uh, so yeah, I, I really cannot praise it enough. Some great performances. Uh, Rachel Zegler. Uh, is who has not even talked about it, is Lucy Gray, is really great. Um, it talks about like the nature of performance and how you can never really know another person um, yeah. and what that says and how that can affect you. Um, so all in all, it's it's a it's a really really great film.
0: Nice, yeah. I forget who was who was talking about this, but they said um, <clears throat> Lucy Gray is a performer who's forced to be, or she's a performer entertainer forced to be a fighter. Katniss is the fighter who's forced to be an entertainer. So I thought that was a interesting, uh, inversion. They did, they did there of the yeah, uh, yeah. characters. Yeah. Yeah, uh,
1: absolutely. And it's something that, uh, you know, you, you understand now why snow says things to Katniss, like make me believe it when he's talking yeah. about her and Peter's romance, you know, like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's oh. so good. It's
0: so good. Is there, Did it leave off where like, Oh, definitely sequel. Not a question. No,
1: no absolutely oh. not um oh. i don't think that this i i would be uh i there is definitely room for more stories in this world yeah uh because you know there's a hunger games every year that could you know right. go to haymitch's games or something like that yes um but i would be very surprised if there was a direct sequel to this if this was like the first part of a trilogy yeah um i would be i think there's nothing really else to tell like i mean i know that there's Sixty years of where from where Snow ends in this movie to where he is, but you you already understand his whole arc. It's all clear from this. And in fact, if they don't make a direct sequel to this, I win forty bucks. So uh,
0: <laughs> nice, you made a bet with somebody.
1: I did because the people I saw this movie were like, they're gonna make the sequel, they're gonna do this. And it's like, no no, 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 no.
0: Well, how wait, how long does that bet last? Like into infinity? Like so we,
1: we we that was one there were some sticking points to that. <laughs> And I said, well, you pay me now, and then I'll pay you back and then and then give you the interest when it if it ever comes out. And they're like, no, we'll wait five years and pay you. And I said, well, wait. And I told them, well, after three, how about after three years? There's no sequel. There's no <laughs> yeah. sequel announcement. Then you owe me each 20 bucks because there was two of them. Yeah. So.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And if,
1: and if they announce it uh, and make the sequel, then I have to pay them um, 20 bucks. So Yeah. That's where it's going to go. Nice. We'll see. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm right.
0: <laughs> one more thing you watched that i haven't was the journey to epcot center this is the uh done by the same youtube channel that you've been frequently lately right
1: yeah kevin perger um of uh, defunct land Defunct land, uh, yes. really really big fan of that it's it's kind of an experimental documentary about uh essentially walt but the time between walt disney announcing epcot's and the opening of epic and like- it uses a lot of archival footage and a lot of like old documents and newsreels and stuff like that. But it also has actors uh, doing reading off like voiceover of like internal memos and stuff like that. and it'll shoot things. people will do reenactments of things. Uh, so yeah, on and there will be just whole sequences where it's like essentially just like a laser show that you're watching., uh, so really, and even if you're not a big theme park person i'm i'm a big theme park person but i'm based on the west coast so i've never been to epcot i would love to go yeah. um but you know very interesting aesthetics and if you want to watch a documentary that is not really like anything you've seen before like because he does have like a more just like by the numbers video essay story of epcot but this is truly an experimental doc
0: yeah experimental doc the um Epcot stands for Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. Yep. Opened October first, nineteen eighty-two. Um, you said this was in Disney World. Okay, so I I probably Disney went World, there. Yeah. I probably went there as it's, a kid. It's got
1: the it's got the golf ball.
0: Yes, yes, I remember that. That has the has the has is that the one with the ride where it's the um there's a ride in it right? There's a there's yeah, a roller coaster the ride in the golf ball. In, yes
1: there's no roller coasters at Epcot. well they, they finally opened a roller coaster at epcot this oh, year okay. it's the first one it was like a guardians yeah. of the galaxy right oh, um, yes yes but yeah but there's like four theme parks but you would have gone yeah there would have it would definitely would have been there when you were a kid um, Yeah, because i think that they animal kingdom was late 90s i don't know yeah but yeah for sure
0: yeah very cool so check that out. Um let's see where are we are. Okay, so that was the last thing you watched that I didn't. So let's get to some stuff we both watched. Let's start with The Holdovers. We're both looking forward to this. I believe this is one we we did uh, most anticipated movies of 2023. Uh this is the obviously the newest Alexander Payne movie, re- reteaming with Paul Giamatti for the first time in 20 years since Sideways. Uh Derek, what did you think of The Holdovers?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm a huge sideways fan. So I was very on, I was very excited for this. Uh, I like this movie quite a bit. Um, You know, I think that it really captures the loneliness and melancholy, melancholy of the holidays of just kind of, you know, being uh, by yourself at Christmas. Uh, It's, it's really great. Um, I I liked it. They actually, it's set in the early seventies and they kind of shoot it. I don't know if they shot it digitally and like added some like after effects to make film grain, or if they shot it with film, but it's made to look like it was made in the '70s. I like those aesthetic choices. I think Payne and Giamatti's sensibilities bounce off each other really well, um, where they're both kind of dryly very like the the dialogue in Alexander Payne's movies is kind of very dry but hilarious, and Giamatti is really the best guy to deliver that. Um, Yeah, I, I thought it was really a great coming of age story uh, you know as Giamatti is kind of this mentor to this kid um, I loved all of that as as they kind of make their way through Christmas just with the two of each other they don't really have anyone else I guess except for the um, the lunch lady who is is dealing with the the death of her son um, and yeah it's it's almost like it was almost like a a comedic more comedic version of Dead Poet Society it really gave me Dead yeah. Poet Society vibes throughout the the entire thing yep uh yeah i i I, it's it's just a good sad christmas movie
0: (laughs) yeah i saw this with my mom she loved it as well you know um She's a sucker for like, you know, camaraderie people that, you know, will rattle off a, a one liner here and there. That, that's, that's what Giamatti yeah. does best. Um, she really loved that. Yeah. It's, uh, it definitely gets you into that like, you know, New England sense of like, you know, New England in the winter, just <clears throat> cold and gross and grimy. Uh-huh. And just, just walking around is just miserable. I, I. That part near the end where they're outside and they have the books outside, I was like, yeah, I've, I've been there and that sucks. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a place called Northampton, uh, which uh, houses Smith College. It's a pretty famous uh, college because a lot of um, very well known, uh, it's an all women college. So a lot of people like, uh, I think Emily Dickson, Dickinson went there. I think, um, uh, what was her name? The one I, I read her book the other day. Um, Sylvia, Sylvia Plath went there as well. Mm. So a bunch of famous, uh, female writers went there but yeah man just uh new england in the winter not great (laughs) i think (laughs) does really get 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 across the tone and the vibes and the feeling of of yeah just being in a place in a cold because they shut off the they 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 shut off the heat for the winter to save money and so they are all bundled into the same you know section of the building but they traverse the building throughout the movie and yeah it, it does does it do a very good job of conveying the feeling of being in a in New England in the winter? It's it's, it's awful. <laughs> we're right, we're getting right in the middle of it right now. So, yeah, I don't know. I forgot how long you were here for last year, but yeah, just living through it every year. Just like after like, um, you know, it's getting later, later and later every year because of, of climate change. But you know, late, late October, early November, once it, one, you'll have that like one last burst of like, you know, 70, 75, 80. And mm-hmm. Then you just look at the weather for the next week and you're like, fuck, that's <laughs> it. that's the last <laughs> last day that it's going to hit 70 for seven months. Yeah.
1: I think I that's right around when I was there was like yeah. the last day. And I just remember like <laughs> and the sun going down at like fucking yeah. like three thirty. And I was like, what the fuck is this place?
0: Yeah, it's it's like the beginning of 30 days at night, 30 days of dark or the movie's called. <laughs> it's awful. But yeah, very much enjoyed this. I think this is the first um, first acting role for Dominic Sessa. He was in he was Fantastic in this. He had he had one one mm-hmm. part that really uh you know, got me emotional when he's talking about his father and things like that. And also Paul Giamatti has a scene uh near that near that scene as well. Has a great monologue as well. So, definitely have to uh highlight um Divine Joy Randolph as Mary Lamb. She was fantastic in this. Um, yeah, just just a great. I mean, it's not it's not a two hander. It's like a three hander, maybe four hander. But
1: right, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah one, one, one of those great. You know, the the curmudgeon, like you said, like you're talking about uh, just now with. Um, with theater camp being like it's one of those, but it's a very good one of those. And this is another one of those where uh-huh. just like the asshole, you know, sees the error of his ways, he softens up, he warms up, and by the end, no, no spoilers really, but by the end, he does very much, you know, sacrifice himself for the for the kid, you know. But yep. He 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 yeah. lays out and, and catches that grenade for him. So that was very sweet. Yeah, very yeah. good movie.
1: Also, his. Like, the kids' parents suck so much. Yeah. Like, right? Am I right? Like, I'm just like, fuck you guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. And again, like, just, you know, uh, growing up in New England, child of divorce, I'm Mm -hmm. like, yep, that's, yep. Know that. (laughs) (laughs) Know all of that. That's all me. Yep. Uh, Let's see what else we got. So let's do, so that was that one, that was that one. Uh, Okay, so let's go to. The big the one, big one, the big one. David Fincher, the Finchman is back at baby with da the Finchman, <laughs> Da Finchman baby blank check a baby. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: Doughboys, the Doughboys are the ones who came up with that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, first, first um, theatrical release from David Fincher. I don't, I don't know if there was an actual theatrical release of Mank. I think he had to, to to get Academy to get into the uh, well, Academy that Awards. Was, I don't
1: think so because it was twenty. 20- Oh, there. I think there was a very limited one, but yes. that was the year when it was like, it's 2020, fuck it. You don't have to have a theatrical release.
0: I think on the most recent... Um... Wayne Check, uh, uh, Griffin was talking about how they had like one theatrical showing of Mank in like yeah. October of 2020. And he's like, Do I want to break protocol? Do yeah. I want to put on yeah. a mask? Would I want to mask up just to go three hours to see Mank? Not really. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is, you know, one of the big first uh, theatrical outings of David Fincher since Gone Girl, since 2014, nine years since the Finchman has had a movie, big movie in theaters, first movie. Um, since gone girl with you know high level of violence it's back to his back to the thing he does the grays and the greens and the browns all of that that filter that he has in a lot of his movies he's back to that uh, coming out of the black and white of Manc. Uh what do you think of the killer
1: uh, I've been thinking about this a lot since I watched yeah. it um, you know because it's one of those movies I was watching and I was like really digging it I was watching it's like this fucking slaps at the beginning of the movie, like that first twenty minutes, it's like oh, this is it, this is the vibe. It's going to be like this guy staking out, and then you're like, oh no, no, something happened. Okay, Wada's is getting propelled forward, and then he kind of starts to go on this day, this revenge tour, and you're like, all right, what's going on here? Uh, like this part's really cool. Oh, and that that fight where he just fights that Florida man, so fucking good, such a visceral, <laughs> great fight with yeah. incredible sound design, and then the whole Tilda Swinton thing is like, oh my god, this is so good, and then then he's like you're, he's getting the billionaire and he's like figuring out the things and you're like this is such david fincher shit like <laughs> it's so meticulous like it's it's to the point where it's like yeah like there's a there's even a point where they like there's a point where it looks like a shaky cam you're like fincher never does shaky cam and it's like well actually that was on a dolly and he just digitally added shakes like that's yeah. the that's the david fincher shit right there or like it's <laughs> like okay cool like he, it's about like a it's like about a serial killer terrible person like a lot of his stuff but it's also about the modern technological technological world that we live in like the social network and how it's all ch- and you're like there's some real and then it ends and like you're like oh okay he spoilers he doesn't kill the billionaire <laughs> all right and he just kind of goes and and lives uh happily ever after and you're like okay and you're like it's it's a movie that i think the the parts are more than the sum there's so like i yeah. said like every part of this was so good i was thinking about i was like the movie ends and it ends with that line of just like he because he talks about it, he's like I am one of the few or whatever and then it the ends he's like oh, I'm one of the many and you're like yeah how did you how <laughs> did that character get to that realization because nothing happened well, in the movie that would make him realize that
0: yeah I don't there think is. oh yeah I'll talk about uh, it, but,
1: yeah all right but I um he's he just uh, it's it's I'm like kind of like what was it about was like and I've heard so many theories I've heard like it's about the gig economy or it's about the modern world or it's about you know, how, uh, you know, it's about David Fincher himself and how he's so meticulous with everything. Or it's about his response to having made Fight Club. And it's uh, there's so, and those are all valid reads on it. But I don't think that the movie really gives you a thing where you come away from the movie and you're like, ah, okay. You know, the social network is all about like, and a lot of, or the the social network, that's about the, like, you know, the modern toxicity of the internet and like, you know, the way we created the world or like, Fight Club is about like toxic masculinity. How you know we all try like the Gen Xer mentality is you know whatever blah blah blah. Yeah. This movie, there's nothing I could point to and definitively say that's what this movie is. Uh yeah. There's a lot of things you could say. I think that's what this movie is, and I could <laughs> and I'm saying I see your argument, but yeah. I don't think that this really lands anywhere. And I know like yeah, he the the hitman is dumb not dumb, but he like <laughs> makes a lot of bad decisions and goes against his many. Yeah. Yeah. And, but there's never a moment where I feel like he has any realization. I don't know. What were you going to say?
0: Um, well, just to the revelation, uh, realization thing. Um, you know, he gets to the guy that, yeah. Okay. So full spoilers for the killer starting right now. Um, well, for a while ago, go back a little bit, Yeah, um, go, go back in time. Um, he talks to the guy that funded it, right? And mm-hmm. the guy has so much power, so much money, so much leverage, so many things going on in his life. He didn't even know why the guy was there, right? He walks in he's like, mm-hmm. I, I broke into your house. The killer says this like almost verbatim. I broke into your apartment. I have a gun pointed at you and you're telling me you don't know why? The guy says, no. And then at that moment, I think it's a small realization, but I think it's a big one—or a small one, but a big one. <laughs> small one, but it's an important one, where he realizes that the machine that he's a part of is so much more bigger than him, and that's why his realization comes to that he is just a gear in the machine. He's not a part. He's not uh, separate from the machine. He's not, like you said, a gig worker. But I think he's thought of himself as better than everyone else looking down. He starts in the, the beginning of the movie is him looking down at everyone, literally and figuratively of being like, this person is doing this. I just got to lay low. Um, if you're, if you don't like being bored, this isn't your job for you. He thinks he's above it all, right? He thinks he's separate from the system, separate from the gear, separate from the machines. He's not a part of that. He does his thing and he leaves. He's never leaves any traces to, the spaces we inhabit he, he leaves and he, he comes and he goes and no one's ever known he's there he's a ghost so throughout the movie he's coming he's you know doing dumb things like the guy that he sat, he shot with the nail gun he's like he's oh you know 180 pounds 60 years old he'll last like 12 minutes shit he's dead <laughs> so throughout the movie we see through him like this whole movie throughout through his eyes right um and I'll speak to that in a minute too. Like the sound design was incredible. Um, but yeah, just to finish up the realization thing of, yeah, he 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 doesn't kill the guy because he knows if he kills him, he's going to have the John Wick thing of like everybody's going to be on his ass. He's never going to be able to look – he's never going to be able to settle down. Um, this guy is important to somebody. He has so many connections. He has so many tendrils and so many different industries that he can't kill this guy and get away with it. You know. So I think that was the reason for his realization there.
1: You, you okay so you think he he went in there with the plan to kill that guy yeah i i kind of disagree i think that he he went in there not wanting to kill the guy because he knew that that was his best chance of living happily ever because it he keeps talking about like this is not revenge and you're like oh but it is and then he at the end doesn't kill that last guy so you're like oh i guess it wasn't revenge so it's that and then it's also there is a moment in the movie where i think it does kind of tell you that he's not going to kill this guy uh, in retrospect, which is the moment when he buys the gun and the guy says, you need any bullets? And he says, no. So I think that's telling us Mm. that he rolled into that thing with a gun with no bullets in it. Yeah. uh, Could be. Because otherwise, why do you have that line? I guess, you know, like, uh, but so, and I and it's one of those uh, I don't know, and it's, it's what you say, like it, I guess you could make like it's what I said, you can make that argument, yeah, and it's not a terrible argument. i I think that the thing about the no bullets line kind of for me dissuades it a little bit, yeah, um, but it's not a it's not an invalid read, but that's the whole thing with the movie is I don't think there is, and it's sometimes like multiple interpretations are a good thing, but that I didn't even feel like that's what necessarily the movie was was going for. I just feel like this is just a cool movie with like some great fucking fight scenes (laughs) and a great scene of like where we're sitting down at the table and we're two assassins and we're not so different to you and I and uh uh, I I don't know did you I I, another scene another line that I think was great in retrospect is Tilda saying like oh I should have eaten more ice cream and then they're like do you want the ice cream she's like yeah she's like actually no and I'm like oh she thinks she's gonna kill him she's like no 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 no." (laughs) Yeah. I'm not gonna die. She's like, I might, I might as well enjoy this whiskey or whatever, but I won't have the Hagen Doss because maybe I'll make it through this. And then yeah. she obviously gets shot in the fucking head, which was cool. That was such a great scene. Like, she's so good. Give her the fucking supporting Oscar for this. Yes. But yeah. <laughs>
0: um, let me see what else. So, just speaking to the, um, to the mechanics of it, to the, um, sound design to the editing all that stuff Mm -hmm. uh the the diegetic and non-diegetic music coming in and coming out as he's pulling the the headphones from one ear to the other as he's putting them in as the camera's moving from his perspective to not his perspective and the and the shifting audio cues from that was very cool i think it was you know Mm -hmm. i wouldn't say it's like um um it brought you into it or took you out of it but it was just a very cool a very cool um note there um There was a point at which the, uh, let's see, I said, you know, the voiceover probably stops when the door opens to the WeWork unit he's operating is almost interrupted. Like there's a part where he's in the WeWork thing and the guy comes in and he stops mid-thought. That was very cool. Um, I think that happened twice. It was happened there. Then also when um, Tilda Swinton. gets
1: tackled by the Florida man.
0: The tackle by the floor man and also when Tilda Swinton almost kills him, right? I think he's talking there and when she falls and he goes to grab her, but then stops and shoots her, right?
1: I think it stopped yeah. there as
0: well. But yeah, that all that stuff cuz I listening on head, on uh on headphones and all of that stuff was coming in you know clear, crystal clear. All of the the music there and all of the diegetic and non-diegetic sounds were were very um they were just reverberating very well. Um yeah, like you yeah. said, so it's very very quotable. It should be quotable movie of like do you say John Wayne Gacy when he said he couldn't spell cat if you spot uh, him the a and the t? <laughs>
1: uh, um, J W D yeah. or whatever. Yeah, what would yeah. John Lotus with you? What would yes? <laughs> um yeah.
0: there were so many I think I feel like this this is somewhat of a like career retrospective of him, but especially like gone, it has some gone girl things in there. Like I said, it goes back mm-hmm. to his he's going back to his um blue, green, brownish tint filter that he has on a lot of his movies. Um I thought a lot of the I thought of in a lot of the transport scenes where he's taking planes or he's just leaving the airport and a plane is flying overhead it looks i i, I bet if you put the the two scenes together of of uh, jack and fight club and the killer here the the scene the scene where the planes are just going overhead look identical i bet they are identical because that's something fincher would do um yeah, great music, great great sounds, great shots. Um, just in terms of influences, they were talking about this on film spotting about how Jean Dielman, that movie we are talking about. I think last year when they were talking about like, you know, best um, the one hundred sight and sound and sound. Yeah. sound. They did Jean Dielman, um for number one, and I watched it, and it has a lot of that stuff in here of like you know, the the monotony of routine. You know, he's doing a routine over and over and over again until he's not. And that's when, the, you know, that's important stuff to pick up on, just like here. Also, Lay Samurai, I'd highly recommend checking out Lay Samurai because I feel like that's a huge influence on this movie as well. Like an assassin that's actually not good at his job. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't believe that that, this, that movie doesn't have some influence on this one. Um, let me try to think. What else? Um, yeah, I think we pretty much covered a lot of it. Just uh, it was pretty much him throughout all of it. Um what else did I have in here? You know, I think there was very well, interesting. Yeah, I was just gonna say that interesting just, that he yeah. thought somebody was following him, but he wasn't, and that's why the guy wasn't following him, right? Because that's he goes into the hotel room, puts a thing in the door that makes it you oh, know, jiggle yeah. or whatever. And
1: I was like, oh, that's gonna come back at some point, and it never does. It,
0: it didn't. So he's par. So there, you know, he's paranoid. He's um, he's not following his own ethos, his his mantras, mm-hmm. like you know. Be unsympathetic on un- unempathetic, no empathy, uh, you know, do the job, do the job you're paid for. don't do anything extra. none of the he didn't follow any of that throughout the entire movie yeah. so I just yeah, what are you gonna say?
1: I was gonna say, I think you know my take and the the or the closest thing I could get to a take is that I think this is uh, this is something I know a lot of people uh, was one of the more popular readings is I think this is David Fincher being like this is this is a movie about me. And, you know, like this guy is obviously the killer himself is obviously like a terrible person. Um, He uh, kills Leo, the cab driver, the pure innocent and leaves a horrible billionaire uh, to live. Um, But I think that in the same way that the killer is like, I am so exacting and I've got to like do all these things exactly right. And do every single thing to a T and have a mantra and stuff like that and try to be so controlling. And then nothing works out as planned. And I think people see Fincher and they're like, this is a guy who's like does so many takes, and he makes sure that everything is right, and it's all exactly color graded. But I think Fincher is like, it's never going to be exactly the movie that I want. It's never going to. There's always going to be something that happens that I can't control that goes yeah. wrong or goes awry. And so I think you know, Molly, maybe, he's, maybe he's not Fincher, but his that's Fincher trying to be like. This is me trying to cope with my own perfectionism and how I can never get things to be perfect and to tell that story through this other character was my read on it, which I as I said is just about as valid as any <laughs> other read on it.
0: It's yeah, that's I think what I like about the movie so much is that you can sort of not apply your own interpretation, but like you can glean an interpretation to it because there's the movie is very sleek and it's very minimalistic so you can look at it and not be distracted by too many things you know there's not many there's not many moving parts to this movie you know it's like i said it's from his perspective the entire time or most like 90% of the movie is from his perspective so you're not getting anybody else's perspective so that so therefore you're not getting any other motivations you're not getting any other um, uh, perspectives on it which can taint the motivations for why the character is doing what they're doing. Um, So I think it's very up up for interpretation in that way. Uh, Just a couple other major um, observations I made. I think you're right about uh, this being like a uh, Fincher mapping a lot of his tendencies and his quirks onto the killer, especially near the end where you have, um, uh, he is known for his role as in Phil Metal Jacket, Tequila Sunrise, Lost World Jurassic Park, Time Traveler's Wife, Money Ball, and Mank. His name is Arlis Howard. So did you notice the T-shirt he, he was wearing?
1: No. It was was it su- like a nine-inch nail shirt? Sub Pop. Okay, what is that?
0: So, Sub Pop was a, uh, or probably still is, a uh, record label. They had all of the grunge people on it. They they had Nirvana. Oh. On it. So, yeah, it's his way of being like Sub Pop. This this guy is a billionaire, yeah. and but he's pretending to be cool. He's pretending to be alternative in his own yeah. way.
1: Well, also that's how Fitcher <clears throat> got his start was yes, being a music video director for those kind of guys.
0: That's what you was know? yeah. I was just going to mention that that he it, it's a deeply self aware um, of the fact that he is you know uh, the art and commerce of it all. It can't be. Um, disentangled um he was a he was a music video director but he was also director of a lot of commercials he 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 literally sold products (laughs) before he directed uh movies so he's very uh intensely aware of that um you know incestuous relationship of art and commerce and all of that stuff so yeah definitely definitely uh aware of all that stuff um very fight club coded i said uh you know the punches and one of the first movies really and and a protagonist
1: with no name which I
0: just want to know name. Um, if you go back and look at his, his his filmography, like we said, the first movie since, or f- you know, first full length movie since Gone Girls in twenty fourteen. No real fighting in that. Uh, before that was you know.
1: Well, Mank is a full length movie.
0: I mean, like you know, full full length uh, out there is It's being actually you know put out there into the world. Um,
1: it, they, well, it had as much of a release as as uh, Mank did. It, it's only is it, it not. Isn't that going yeah, I didn't full? get a, no, because no, I, it's only in LA and New York. I don't even know it's in Chicago. Or not, Cause I, I try, I wanted to see this in the theater. I could not see it unless I drove to LA and I actually yeah, so, considered doing that. So it why did not so, get a full.
0: Okay. So not full, not wide release. Yeah. That's, okay. So not even
1: a limited release. Only, <laughs> it's only like you could, like I super limited. A, a lot, yes. Very, really. <laughs> like I, it's not literally was not playing at a single AMC theater. So, Which is the second biggest chain in the world?
0: Yeah, first movie with okay. So let, let's go with this first. Fincher, David Fincher movie with violence, with punching, with kicking, with huh. with a, a lot lot of uh, heads being blown off, a lot of ultra violence, the old ultra violence in this <laughs> one of his first movies. Uh, so not not Gone Girl sure. didn't hit some violence in there. Uh, Girl, the Dragon Tattoo had some violence. They had you know the main character getting you know kidnapped near the end. There was some some violence in there social network no um what was the one before that um benjamin button no um zodiac no well zodiac had you know the kills but they didn't really show a lot of it right um they,
1: i uh there was like some brutal stuff with like, the stabbings and stuff a couple stabbings, but
0: no fights no no, nobody fighting back no fights um before that was panic room right was there the was five-year gap between panic room and zodiac right
1: um, uh yeah that sounds right
0: and then so so i i haven't seen panic room in a long time that's one i have to revisit um but yeah just my point was that's this is the first movie with the most um what you call it, overt amount of violence people fighting people's head being blown off one of the first movies since yeah. fight club to have that stuff in there yeah um, yeah good. yeah definitely Good to have it back in my life, (laughs) like the (laughs) Finchie violence in my life again. So anything else you want to mention about the killer before we move on?
1: No, I think I think that about does it. Yeah. And like I will say, you know, two of the greatest scenes I've seen in any movie this year are when he meets the two other assassins, that great visceral fight with the incredible sound design. And then just the chilling, just sit down with Tilda Swinton. Who yes. is like you said a looks like a Q-tip? <laughs> <laughs> she did look another like another great a Q-tip. line in the movie.
0: Yeah did you did you know who it was when they mentioned that? Like oh I wonder who's who's a known person that looks like a Q-tip from far away.
1: Well like I saw her name in the credits so I was like oh okay well, yeah yeah of course that's her. <laughs> um, she hasn't shown up yet at this point. There's like you know less than thirty minutes of movie left so yeah had a yeah, feeling
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly.
1: Uh, I thought there
0: was one more thing I was gonna mention about it. Um, oh, the did you see the the I think it was a TikTok or maybe a Twitter thing about the VFX crew that you showed me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was incredible. It's yeah, like okay. if nobody if nobody's seen it, go look it up. Um, it's on my Twitter. I'll I'll plug it at the end. But the uh, the amount of VFX that went into that one scene. There's a scene where he's he it's early on in the movie i think it's him escaping the botched assassination right at the very beginning he's in france still mm-hmm. and he yeah, has to get on a yeah. scooter and try to get away there was i don't know how much of it was vfx but they took like a 15 second shot and said okay look at this shot guess how much was vfx and i was like eh, maybe the the some of the smoke some of the background stuff maybe the sky maybe mm-hmm. like uh some reflection off the off the granite maybe some of that and they're like no all of it fucking all of it was was cgi um there was some behind the scenes stuff i was watching on, on a youtube uh video of them in a studio with fastbender on a on a vespa and they had like the volume behind him not not the volume but like a right. you know, volume mini and it was just You know, track like the olden days where they used to have you know Uh a a guy and a woman in a car, and the the background was just like a repeating vista of like you know a road behind them Mm -hmm. that would just repeat over and over again. So it was basically that, but like you know probably. Lot, done a lot better. Maybe I'm guessing it was probably they mapped out an actual street and they had him like, okay, you're in 30 seconds, you're gonna be taking a left, blah blah blah. But it's just incredible how they they did everything. They did his eyes reflecting off of the stuff that was going by him. They reflected off the the helmet. They reflected the refracting light coming into the helmet off of his eyeball. Pfft, Jesus Christ! It's like <laughs> that's where most of the, the money went probably just in that one shot. Ridiculous. You know yeah. how how much. What do it cost? How, what's the difference in cost of having them actually be there versus doing all of that? It's got to be. What do you think? Like millions of dollars difference, or a couple
1: hundred thousand? I uh, pff, I have no idea. I mean, I. It's one of those things. It's like, yeah, I guess this makes sense because you're shooting it so. Like, how would like you to get that point of yeah. view? Would be something that would be practically impossible. <clears throat> it must have been
0: probably a COVID thing too. Of like, it was too hard to travel over there to do it too. I don't. I don't know i do yes yeah. yeah, so I, I had one more question yes, for you though go ahead yep
1: uh and that is you met you mentioned earlier the easter eggs but we didn't really talk too much about them which is oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. every time he has like a passport <laughs> yeah uh like they it's like a you know a sitcom guy you know there's yeah. like you know Cl- sam malone from cheers or like and yeah. it's like they make a point of like like they open the thing and they're like ah oh, oh, yes, uh, Felix Unger, or like, oh, yes, here you are, Mr. Unger. Or like, ah, yes, Archibald Bunker, you know, whatever the fuck, you know. Yeah. And so is that is that a thing where it's just, uh, this is just a fun little Easter egg for us from Mr. Andrew Kevin Walker? Yeah. Or is it in the film, in the text of the film, this guy is a fan of 80s sitcoms?
0: Uh, I think it's both. In addition to a third thing, which I think is... Maybe uh, David Fincher is commenting on how quickly culture and pop culture and, like I said, art and commerce are just like washed away so quickly that mm-hmm. he can use these references. He can make these references to these twenty-year-olds, these thirty-year-olds, and they're not going to get it because they weren't even alive back then, nor do they care yeah. about it. You know what I mean? I think it's I, it, like you said. Well, I forget what the first two we said were, but it's it's both of those in addition to that. Yeah.
1: Okay. All yeah. right. All
0: right. Bob Hartley Fair was enough. one of them. Robert I think it's Robert Hartley and Bob, that was from Bob Newhart show. He did George, George Jefferson from the Jefferson show, like you said, Sam Malone from Cheers, Reuben Kincaid, which was I that was beyond me cuz I never watched the Partridge Family, which was that was from I was from there. Um and you also mentioned Oscar Madison from The Odd Couple and uh, obviously Archibald well, Bunker Felix Under Felix, Felix Under, Under yes. was the, yeah, from the Odd yes, yeah, the couple, yeah. And then uh, Archibald Bunker obviously from All in the Family. So yeah yep very funny stuff
1: yeah <laughs> my, smith- my letterbox yeah. review for this one was yeah. uh i was not expecting this to have more easter eggs than the marvels <laughs>
0: um we didn't we, i think we'd be remiss to not talk about the smiths because the smiths make up mm-hmm. the entirety of the soundtrack of this movie every time he's doing anything there is a smith song playing in the background do you have any relationship with the smiths any previous liking or disliking of them
1: yeah, I like the Smiths. More he's yeah. kind of a fuck ass, but like yeah, they're, they're a good band, you know. <laughs> I think they were I think like, uh Yeah. They, without the Smiths, I don't think they would be the killers. So
0: True. I you know. uh Fantasy was making um a, a, a theory that maybe he was making a commentary on cancel culture. Uh Venture made some allusions to him possibly making his next movie might be about cancel culture. Um so that was that was something that was a theory that he put out there. <clears throat>
1: Isn't Portishead in the soundtrack too? it's uh, Portish Head
0: yeah they might be I'm not sure if the yeah. let's see music 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 uh, Trent Reznor Edicus Ross did the a uh, lot of the score for that so they
1: yeah they always do since his like well the last you know his last six or seven movies
0: yes 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 um, so yeah there's The Killer that's our that's our take on the the uh, Finchman's The Killer uh, do agree or disagree uh, drop us a line at Society at gmail.com uh-huh. write in if you'd agree or disagree with our takes so with that, uh, do you want to take a break? And then we'll get to Letterbox stats, Letterbox sure. assignments, sure. and uh, talk Sounds about our top 10s. All right. We'll be good. right back. And we're back. Um, let's do something we haven't done in a while because I'm interested to know what your stats are. <laughs> let's get some oh, okay. Letterbox stats going. Um, mm-hmm. I did a thing this week. I figured out – I was looking through my stats and I was like, why is my 2020 not – 365 movies like it was supposed to be. That was the first year I did it. I watched uh, one movie a day every two years, every other year. I watched one movie a day, started it in 2020. So I went there and I was like, why is this? There's like 112. What the hell happened? I apparently didn't log them correctly. <laughs> so I had to go <laughs> back and re-log everything that I watched that year. Well, thankfully, I wrote it all down. I had a separate Google Doc for, um, for that year um mm. film or yeah litterbox is a cool thing if you are at least a pro user um you can also be a patreon user um patreon and pro get you get you to look at your stats i think you get slightly more stats i think if you're a patreon like me i believe you're a pro user right derek i'm a lowly
1: pro user
0: <laughs> you're a low, yes you're a you're a peasant pro user yeah um Let me see. So I locked away, made my list private for my top 10 of the year. Um, That went private recently because we're going to do – I don't know if you remember, but we're going to do a thing where we're going to guess each other's top 10 before we do it, it it. before the end of the year. Um, So let's compare stats before we get get there. Um, So far, I've watched 157 movies. I've I've, I've averaged 14.3 per month, 3.4 per week. There is one stat – That I wanted to mention, I wanted to highlight real quick before we go to the yearly. If you go to all time, it'll tell you, what is your longest streak for watching movies? I'm curious if this is on yours, being a lowly lowly pro user. It is,
1: yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay,
0: what is your longest streak?
1: Well, see, the thing is, I've only been, I only started logging films last year. Um, I would, you know, just hit watch. I wouldn't actually mark anything in my diary. Yep. Uh, So, um, I've been on a streak since then. Yes. Uh, so, and my streak since then actually just hit a uh, hundred weeks. So, oh, wow.
0: Huh, you got yeah. me beat by almost double. Uh, I'm only at fifty fifty nine 59 weeks. I think I it probably took a, a whole month off this year in August. Um, it says at least one film per week starting in December, 2021. So that must okay. So that was why, cause I watched <clears throat> one movie a day last year. So that's where, that's where that came from. Uh, I have 272, uh, two plus day films, 272 multiple days, of watching movies uh what is your stat there
1: yeah once again this is only from 2022 and 2023 but 149 okay i got you there
0: yeah. um you have more more films i believe you have more films Right? you have you hit 2500 just recently which is another reason i wanted to mention this congratulations yeah. uh, on uh, that did. thank you <laughs> how many um, hours do you have i'm curious
1: uh i have Four thousand
0: four hundred and three hours. Okay, okay so that that makes sense. Yeah, I got four. I have four thousand ninety eight hours. Um, I've watched movies from one thousand two hundred and eighty one different directors. I am imagining yours is probably higher because you watch a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of different uh, directors for that stuff. So, what do you have for that?
1: What did you What did you say your number was? One more time. Uh,
0: one thousand two hundred and eighty one.
1: Yeah, I'm one thousand five hundred and seventy six. So that yes. that means that you know there's uh, there's about a thousand film there's a, yeah there's about a thousand films in there yeah. that I've watched from someone who's like directed like yeah yeah so yeah, yeah so that's interesting.
0: Let's see how eclectic you are. I have seen movies from 59 different countries. How many countries have you seen?
1: Oh, only 53. You got me beat by six. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) geez. Let's
0: see. It's it's pretty cool. You can can scroll down. You can buy uh, films by year. Um, I've obviously Uh weighted heavily through the 2010 to the 1990s. Um, and then just skyrockets skyrocket in 2022. I saw 142 movies apparently from 2022. That's the most on my list, followed by 2021. Obviously, uh, what is? Do you have a highest highest yearly seen movies on there? Yeah, uh,
1: 2022 is it's near. So tw- the second highest is 2010, which is 112, which makes sense because I worked at a movie theater. Oh uh, yeah. That year. Uh, so there's like a there's like a spike of the years I mo- worked in the movie theater. Uh, well, but then yeah, 2022 I watched 114 films.
0: 114. Not bad, 100 not
1: bad. Well, 114 films released in 2022. So that yes. you know, movies that I watched this year that came out last year, or, you know, whatever.
0: Um, so you're on the, you're on the all time list, right? Not, yes. Uh, yeah, not really. yeah. Okay. Let I'm me switch over. Yeah. Let me switch over. Cause I was on the 2020 list there. <laughs> Actually, no, I was on the all time list. What am I talking about? Um, what was the one I wanted to ask you about? Um, let's go down. Cause they have one that's like how you rate things based on whether people rate them, like your highest, mm, the, the most that's difference. A,
1: I think that's a pro thing. Yeah. Do you have
0: list progress? Do you have lists on there that say like Yes, I do. Yes, I do. IMDBs top 250. What is your most – what is the highest progress you've made out of any of those lists?
1: Uh, Of these lists, the highest percentage-wise I have is the box office 100. I'm at 85% of them.
0: Box office 100. Trying to see where that is. Uh, box
1: office mojo all time 100 so the oh, top box 100 office mojo uh, 100 okay. earning movies at the box office was you, your percentage
0: uh
1: 85 and that's based on worldwide gross apparently
0: my percentage is 69 nice nice, nice.
1: yeah so it's i've seen almost <laughs> all of them except for like like a couple of, like I, the fast and the furious movies yeah uh the most recent transformers uh and then let's see what else joker some of the despicable me sequels and the ice age sequels and a couple chinese movies that are in there too
0: yeah i'm really bad about the the ice ages and the despicable me's and the the minions and all that bullshit um that's fine that's fine (laughs) the one (laughs) list I've always been like uh, i should watch that i should watch that it's the uh the top uh, 100 the official top 250 films with the most fans. I am at 89% of that. The ones that are always in the top of the list that I haven't seen, you might be surprised by because it it's a pretty common movie. Uh, the perks of being a wallflower, I haven't seen. And huh. 10 Things I Hate About You follows that up. And also have not seen Mamma Mia or Mamma Mia 2, either of those. Here I'm we go not, again. Here we which is go one again. Of the
1: greatest sequel titles of all time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so good.
0: Of, a lot of um, rom-com. I'm not a rom-com guy. Um, no. I have not seen When Harry Met Sally. Um,
1: I actually uh, haven't either.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen Tangle. That's the one of the uh, few DreamWorks movies I haven't seen. Um, I haven't seen Rocky Horror Picture Show. I've seen that like a long time ago at uh, somebody's house, but never really sat down and watched it. Uh, Twilight's another popular one I haven't seen. Uh, good, bad, and ugly. Haven't seen uh the one number one forty four on the top two hundred and fifty list is Shrek two. Apparently, haven't seen that. Uh, one of the big ones you've probably seen. A lot of people have probably seen very, very surprised to find to find out. I haven't seen is the the Devil Wears Prada. Um, I actually from, haven't seen that either. So yeah, uh, from the year two thousand six. Yeah, just a bunch of. Very, very popular stuff I haven't seen yet. Uh, so let's go back to the Step stat boys here. Because okay. I want to talk about the... Okay, so it's rated higher than average. One of my, I uh, think, okay, it is a Patreon. Yes, do you mention that? <laughs> uh, one that I rated higher than most was Jason goes to hell. It has an average rating of uh, one point seven. That's 7th. the
1: bad one. That's the one where That's, it's like a worm or something.
0: He's a worm. Yes, <laughs> I rated that four stars. That's I just yeah because I'm a child. I'm a, a child on the inside. <laughs> I rated the human <laughs> centipede four stars. I will go to I will go to hell and back. And Jason, I will follow Jason down to hell to, to battle people. <laughs> That uh, Human Centipede does not, at one point, does not deserve an average rating of 1.92. I rated that four stars, and it is, in fact, a four-star horror movie. <laughs> um, okay. Lower than average. Lower than average. I gave a half a star to The Free Guy. I hated that movie. It's a, got a 3.04 on Letterboxd. Uh, Orgasmo apparently has a 3.0 on Letterboxd. They give that a half a star. Um, the Flash has a 2.6. They give that that half a star. Um did not i did not care for uh the weird the the weird alkaevich movie from from last year that, I mean, was, that is okay yeah, yeah yeah um so there's that uh any other stats that you have on there on the pro version on the on uh
1: well i don't have this but i know <laughs> i'm pretty sure that because yes. i i very very rarely will give something half a star i only yeah. will give something half a star if it is like like Um, something that just should not exist. Like if it's like a piece of, it's just lacks any artistic value or it's um, just a kind of just, or it's propaganda or it's a piece of trash or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, the one, and this is actually propaganda that I've given half a star to uh, and that is Triumph of the Will. Uh, And that is a movie that is, if you are not familiar, (laughs) literal Nazi propaganda. Uh, I give it half a star and its overall rating is 3.1, 3.1, uh, which means <laughs> it's, it's, it's half of that is like actual Nazis, uh, yeah. on letterboxd. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the other half is just like, um, people who are like, well, you know, actually it's too, it's very well technically made. Um, I just want to read off, uh, yeah. some of my favorite reviews of this, uh, film on Letterbox has not aged well. Uh, <laughs> In what way?
0: Like, is worse or it's better?
1: <laughs> no, it's worse. It's uh, uh, great now, and this is my favorite one. Great now, we have to add being boring to the list of Hitler's crimes.
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ!
1: Yeah, and then, uh, there's, there's some really good. There's a there's a long good one where it's just like the letterbox reverence for this film terrifies me, and kind of talking about how you know this is not what you talk about when you talk about separating art from artists. This is fucking literal Nazi propaganda, like controversial and problematic. Don't cut it. So it's a really long, uh, uh, I won't read through the whole thing here, Yeah, but it's, it's, yeah, it's just like, this is fascism. This is not art. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was, that's, that's my, I, I mean, I, I do have, uh, though some, uh, some of my directors, I can look up my, Highest yeah. rated directors okay, uh, on. Let me get back to that. I'm on this yeah. Nazi page right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so where is speaking of? Uh, yeah. While, while you look yeah, up yeah. that, no, they had um, yeah. they
0: had a Ralph Bakshi um screen drafts that they did recently. Yes. yes yeah. Yes, j- yes. Yeah. I listened to that, and apparently mm-hmm. they rated his highest movie. Um, this is the name of the movie, and I have to say the name of it. It's called Coonskin from 1975. They they crowned that as his uh the top movie on there. So speaking of. You know transgressive stuff but that is actually you know yeah. it is not and it's not uh propaganda as far as i know um but no. yeah yeah
1: it's, it's pretty- kind of it deals with him you know being a young jewish person growing growing up in you know um i think it was harlem uh yeah. and just like you know i think that was not the name of the movie that he wanted that was the name of the studio that the studio oh, wanted gotcha. um, so it's kind of just about like taking these ridiculous stereotypes and blowing them up to such an insane degree that yeah. being like this is this is these are all just nonsense stereotypes and back she's always been kind of an absurdist yeah um so you know i think yeah doing some interesting stuff there but yeah. um but yeah now that i am i am back back on yes. the page um, Go ahead. i'm looking at my so these are the directors that all have a perfect 5.0 for me. Uh, not necessarily my favorite. Wait, of the wait, let me guess. Let me, but, guess.
0: let me guess. Let okay. me guess. Let me guess. So you, you've you never given any of those movies less than five stars is what you're saying.
1: Right. Yes.
0: You love... Oh, fuck. Who? Who? who have you seen all of their filmography? Are you saying you read it? No, st- not necessarily. Some ah, of them, yes. Some okay. of them,
1: yes. Some of them are guys who've made like three movies, and I've given yeah. like three, and I've given them all five stars.
0: Um, trying to think. All right, l- l- Hit me with one of them. All
1: right. Uh. Well, I'll give you a combo right now: Phil yes. Lord and Chris Miller.
0: Oh yes, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I gave the- five stars to both the Lego Movie and to Twenty One Jump Street. Ah, the okay. only two films of theirs that I that they actually directed that I directed,
0: seen. yeah, because they produced yes. or 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 whatever the uh Spider Man Spider Verse movies, yeah, Spider-Man yeah. Movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, gotcha. Um uh, one other hit me with another,
1: all right. Uh, I'll give you a, hey, give uh, a hint. Lee Lee, okay, a hint that's Pixar yeah. guy,
0: L- Pixar guy, Lee, um, Lee, not P Doctor, no. Uh, Lee, I don't know. I don't know any other uh, <laughs> Pixar directors other than other Mr. Doctor. Unkrich. Lee Unkrich, Lee
1: Unkrich, who did Toy Story three and Coco.
0: Oh, uh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Acceptable. Uh, yeah, I yeah. approve. All right,
1: and i'll I'll just give you I'll just <laughs> yes. give you the rest of the the five yeah, star go ahead. guys. Yeah. Uh, Derek Sinfrance, who uh, I've seen. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Blue Valentine and Place Beyond the Pines. I haven't seen The Light Between Oceans as of yet. Yep. Uh, and then also. God, I have to redo this every time I click on one of these fucking guys. Uh, uh, <laughs> Goddard, yeah. uh, and uh, Martin McDonough.
0: Good, yeah, good ones. Approved. Yes, yeah. agreed.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a couple that come close that are like at like 4.8 or something because I've given like one of their movies like four and a half stars. Uh, Matt Reeves, Milo's Foreman, uh, and Spike Jones, and Dean, uh, Deblois, who did all the Cow to Train Your Dragons and also. Lilo and Stitch.
0: Yes. Um, not Spike Jones, but I would probably say um, Kaufman. Uh, uh, what's his name? I always get his first name wrong.
1: Charlie Kaufman.
0: Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, I'd probably give yeah. five stars to all his stuff as well.
1: Yeah. 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 And then a couple of more guys that are also at 4.8. I've got um, Celine Sciamma and Jordan Peele. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Owen Jordan Harris, Peele and Holtz. That's a couple TV things. Um, Celine gotcha. Sciamma. Who so did from, uh, Portrait of uh, Lady yeah. on
0: Fire and Petite Mama? Petite Mama, exactly. I believe she has something so that's another, in the works. Yeah, that's yeah. another
1: one where it's like, what, like four and a half and then a five star movie, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, so there's that. Um, speaking of letterbox stuff, we had uh, some assignments last week. You were assigned <laughs> once upon a time in America again. You know, again, So the, the fact that again. the fact that okay, that's fine. The, but it's just incredible that how many did you say you had like a hundred and ninety or over two hundred to, to cycle it's like, through?
1: Like, it's yeah, it's like two hundred and eighty or something. When you put on, even when you put on the filters, <laughs> it's like two eighty. <280. laughs>
0: and you got when did you you got it last time? Like four months ago or something. So some very yeah. recently. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it, it gave it to me. Tw- and that's not the first time that I've gotten something <laughs> twice. Okay, it's two seventy two. It's two seventy two. Actually,
0: yeah, two seventy two. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I did. I did watch and The Cursed. I Curse. didn't I watched... fucking watch it. It's yeah. fine. That's, that's fine. It. Um, second week in a row, I watched my my Simon because I had time this week to watch yeah, it. Watch
1: You didn't have to watch a four hour long movie with an intense <laughs> rape scene in it.
0: Sure. Yes. Um, The Cursed is a. Let's see. 2021 gothic horror film written, directed, and produced by Sean Ellis. Uh, I'm not sure what else this person has done. Uh, Cashback apparently broke broken. 2008 anthropoid that weird uh, that weird movie with a uh, World, World War II movie with Killian Murphy and uh, some somebody else. Somebody else in that. It's Killian Murphy, Jamie Dornan. That's right. That's right. That guy. Uh, yep. That guy's uh, pretty
1: funny. That guy's pretty good.
0: He is. Uh, let's see. So the curse. 2021 film. It was fine. It was like a fine <clears throat> two and a half. Um, like, it was, I think it tried to be more than it was. It was just like trying to be okay. fancy with its shots and fancy with its sound design, fancy with its score. And just it was just a creature feature. And he's trying to make it seem like um, he was trying to do shots like uh, Terrence Malick-esque. And it was just like, no, that don't need to do all that <laughs> just give me a good give me a good straight up creature feature and i'll be fine uh so yeah it was fine um this had uh boy holdbrook he was fine in it um he played like the guy that comes in to the village and he's like you got a you got a fucking werewolf and they're like how do you know and he's like because Right. They're silver teeth, bro. They're right here. They fell out of the thing's mouth. And then there's this uh, curse in the land because one of the guys was like murdering women that, you know, had a thought of themselves. They had an opinion. So he had to murder them. Um, and so he huh. took up one of their bodies and he was like, you, you murdered this woman. He's like, no, I didn't. And just all that bullshit. So not not great. Huh. One of, probably one of the worst ones I've seen this year um, yeah. okay okay <laughs> one of the one, right, of, one, of, one, of, one of my worst assigned movies I've seen this year I will steer
1: clear of it yeah
0: so let's go back right. to our letterboxed accounts over All here right. if, I, watch if I get that
1: fucking movie again <laughs> I'm gonna quit this show <laughs> if I get it this week right yeah. now okay I'm done
0: alright let's see let's 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 spin the uh, spin the barrel here see what happens do All our right. own version of the um they call it Russian Roulette right now. Yeah. I want to hit Shuffle on mine. I'm just going to go with whatever. See, even if it's not streaming, it's fine. Uh, I got another weird um, folk, horror, folk horror movie called Sator, directed by Jonathan Graham from 2019. Uh, cast includes uh, hit actors such as Michael, Danion, Michael Daniel, Rachel Johnson, and Aurora Low. Lowell. All right, I'll be checking this out for next time. Lol. Right.
1: <laughs> spin,
0: right. spin the thing. Let's see what happens.
1: Ooh, all right, yeah. all right. I'm, I'm, on, I'm, I'm good with this. Uh, the red <laughs> shoes. The red shoes. Michael Powell. The red Powell, shoes. 1948. Michael Powell. Yes. The I one. fucking love uh, Peeping Tom, so I'm down. I'm down for this.
0: Yeah, this is the one that's that people always, you know. They talk to Scorsese, they talk to the old the old guard guys, and they're like, you know, mm-hmm. what's what's the one that made you want to be a filmmaker? What's the movie you always thought of? What's the ones you always saw as a kid that inspired you to become a filmmaker? That's that's one of the big ones they always mention. So yeah. yeah I have number seen this.
1: 66 on the letterbox top 250.
0: Yeah, I've seen this. It's very good. Very, very good. One one of the best, like of the I went into it with the mindset of, you know, it's an old, not I don't know if it's not Hollywood, right? Because it's uh, uh, Michael Powell, right? He worked in like the English film uh, system over there, right? Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Yeah, But yes, very, very good. I thought it was going to be like, you know, pretentious or long-winded or just – no, it moves. It moves and has very good and very inventive and very well done uh, musical numbers for its time. Very good. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Yeah. So let's – Go to – oh, let's do some next next up stuff because we've done this a few times and I'm always like, all right, there, there's some stuff in here I keep missing and keep haven't seen yet. Still haven't seen Priscilla. was supposed to see it but didn't quite get out there to see it. Uh, that'll be – should be seen by us next time. Uh, next time we talk will be December 11th, so hopefully we'll see that by then. release <throat> uh, Scott's Napoleon has come out. I've heard some things about it. Sean Fennessey uh, sung its praises, but n- – only i think it was one of the only people to do that so i'll probably mm-hmm. check that out but i'm not looking forward to it uh again naya that's that's out there I'll, that might be seen by one of us uh next time take a watch. he's next goal wins is in uh and is in wide release right now um either yeah,
1: try and see that one
0: yep um eli ross thanksgiving i heard good things about it actually so i probably will be checking that out yeah i'm gonna see next that time.
1: one i've got my yeah, i'm seeing that one saturday
0: Nice. Very cool. Um, Walt... Walt Dorn's Trolls band together. That's a movie you can see if you sh- if you so choose.
1: <laughs> and I won't. So won't, why is uh... it on this list?
0: <laughs> for the
1: kids? Man, Are you gonna watch it? No. Are you gonna watch it? Then why no. did you put it on this fucking list? For the people. It's not be on the next for episode. the people.
0: The people come to the show to be given recommendations, so they know it's out there. I I constantly talk to people like I didn't even know. I didn't even know the killer was a thing. What uh, the David Fincher has a new movie out. Had no idea. Dude, people are just, they got their blinders on and just like, me go work. There's me go no home. way
1: they don't know that Trolls Band does. Together isn't out. It's fucking every, comer- every trailer I go to or every movie I go to has a trailer for it.
0: Yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> Michael Mann's Ferrari. <laughs> 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 that doesn't
1: come out till Christmas. What are you That's talking not true. about?
0: It's like the first, isn't it's it? It's
1: absolutely true. Google right now Ferrari <laughs> release date. It will tell you December it 25th. Might be,
0: it might be out by the time we talk. Or it's in- no,
1: it's not. We're, not. we're if it's this episode is coming out December 11th. Yeah. Then it will that no, no, December no, no, no. 11th. Last time I checked, happens before Christmas.
0: Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about yeah. that. <laughs> I did. But um, yeah, Ferrari movie. Is that Netflix? Is it coming up to Netflix? I Believe
1: right? I don't
0: know. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, scheduled to be released in the United States on December 25th by Neon. I thought you saw something about it in Netflix. I don't know, bunch of stuffs beyond on Netflix now. Netflix and uh, yeah. Apple TV Plus, right?
1: Yeah, it's just, it's just because it's a a director who's been in director jail for like yeah eight fucking years is yeah, finally yeah. getting a movie. Netflix seems like the only game in town that lets those guys do movies, but Neon yeah. Neon and A twenty four still do too. Yeah, I would
0: love if, uh, Neon, if you're listening, give me give me that uh, steel book <laughs> of all those movies that came out this year. We'd love to get one of those. Let's do some plug-in. Like I said, my name for this uh, for the holiday season is Santa Klauskinski. I'm 81 away from 300 followers. Keep ticking up. Number go up. Number go brrr. I'm a better person because my number went up on social media. That's how that works. So sure. continue continue to follow me there. I did some writing about uh about Nemona, So check that out. I got, like, I got like seven likes on that for some reason. Usually I get like one or two. Got like seven on that. So that was pretty cool. Nice. Film essayist on YouTube, Spotify Proof Podcasters make a podcast very easily. It's free. Do it. Um, interview with TikToker, Tech, BR Yeager are on the back catalog. Check that, all that stuff out. And Deanna and I broke down season, so section season four and the bear season two on the same feed, different name, same feed. Check that, all that out there. Derek, what do you have to plug? Uh,
1: check out my other podcast that I do underrated. Uh, Damien has been on a couple episodes of that. Um, including uh, we also, also so look up underrated movie podcast, anywhere it's on all the apps underratedmoviepodcast.com and also on patreon patreon.com slash underratedmoviepodcast damien also was on recently uh, that once a month there we talk about sports films uh on the underroad uh on the feed called underdogs and uh damien and i talked about white men can't jump and damien had never seen basketball before so he's very (laughs) interested in it
0: yeah i was (laughs) like there's a hoop and there's there's traveling and there's feet and there's a what? What is this?
1: Craziness! <laughs> <What? laughs> so, no, so yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, I had so. I had
0: to take a class on what is basketball before seeing that movie because yeah. none of it made any sense to me.
1: Yeah, but but uh, also you know underrated's out the same days. This is out for now. Yes, um, going to be changing that up soon so yep. they, we can alternate. Uh, but for now, uh, check out Cloud Atlas. Uh, I talked yeah. about that with my old co-host Alan came back for an episode to talk about Cloud Atlas with me. Uh, which I think is a, a really deep, um, philo- uh, just philosophically interesting uh, film that we got to dive deep into. Uh,
0: Yep, yeah, there's that. So check all that stuff out. And so for Midnight Film Society Podcast, I have been Damien.
1: And I've been Derek.
0: And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.